0: to Loughborough, have you been away? How are you doing at the start of this year? How's things? How are you approaching this year? How have you arrived today? These are some of the questions that you might want to be asking this week in your small group. And I reckon in this room today there'll be a real mixture of thoughts and feelings and answers to those questions. I reckon we'll be somewhere between expectation and trepidation excitement and concern confidence and uncertainty and the first thing just to say to that wherever you feel you are is welcome we're really glad that you're here and uh, we're really glad that you have shown up today that's awesome and I want to say that being followers of Jesus doesn't sort of seek to separate us from reality as if it's something we need to escape but actually it's something that roots us in reality but with a heavenly perspective and if you're exploring faith or if you're new to faith today, we would really love to walk that journey with you because it is the best journey that we can walk on together. And We want to see how God sees us. I hope you had a lovely Christmas. For me, one of the things that like, I loved about Christmas this year in terms of the story and in terms of that faith angle is it was actually human Jesus. You know, we can, we can encounter Jesus in a number of different ways. But for me, the thing that really struck me this year was human Jesus. I love the fact that God didn't just stay at a distance, um, watching, wincing, judging a messed up humanity, but actually he literally put skin and bones on and entered into our mess, becoming one of us. And that I think is the perfect example of being rooted in reality, but with a heavenly perspective. So as well as asking how we are at the start of this year, we also wanna ask from that viewpoint, what has God said? What is he saying? What has he done? What does god say to this situation today and that really is the basis of which we start this new series as ben so brilliantly explained around faith and hope it's a mini series And i want to say just from the beginning it feels really relevant to be speaking on this to us to our community at this moment in time and we want this series to be absolutely applicable to our lives that really has to be the heart of what we're doing that everything we talk about today can be taken away and worked through we would only be doing half a job if we went through scripture and theologically pulled apart the words faith and hope where they appear what they mean what they do and left you with some intellectual questions to wrestle with in your small group that would be half a job it'd be quite interesting but it wouldn't really do us a whole load of good in our daily lives this is not an intellectual pursuit faith is not at its core an intellectual idea The smartest brains in the world have to submit to something far beyond their understanding to walk in faith and that really is the heart of it and that is why the in scripture the unlearned are elevated because it's not an intellectual pursuit we have been through so much as a community as individuals as a people we have been through so much and we're still going through so much our lives haven't turned out the way we thought they would The world isn't the way that we hoped it might be. We're still in this global pandemic that drags on. We've lost loved ones. We've had damaged relationships. We lost Lauren Wilson in November last year. This is real. And we're not seeking to escape that reality, but instead to live in it with a perspective that is far greater than what we can see. And faith and hope is rooted in reality, rooted in God. And I hope that's what we take away this term. So there are some online definitions of these two words, which I think are just a helpful place to start um, and to interrogate. There's definitions here for faith, which come on the screen. It says, a complete trust or confidence in someone or something, a strong belief in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual conviction rather than proof. I think that's really interesting. It's complete trust or confidence based on conviction rather than proof. That's hard to wrestle with. If you're a scientist in the room or any like level of science, you're already getting triggered right now. Because we rely on proof, don't we, so much. And hope can be defined as a feeling of expectation and a desire for a particular thing to happen. And I like this little line, to expect with Confidence. But the Bible summarizes it like this in Hebrews 11. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It's one of those lines where you're like, that's a really cool line. What does it mean? (laughs) There's quite a few of those, isn't there? Like in the New Testament, you're like, that sounds so good. What does it mean? Um, The Good News translation of that, which is quite simple, says to have faith is to be sure of the things we hope for, to be certain of the things we cannot see. Now, often people say that faith is easy, like wishing on a star or believing in a fairy tale. I have lost count of the number of atheists who have told me over the years um, how it must be nice that I could just make up a story and believe it. (laughs) Or isn't it cool that you have this crutch for your life that's in your imagination and this fairy story? Um, And I try not to be offended. And I fail. And on one level, framing our belief system around the unseen sounds quite easy, doesn't it? It sounds like anything could happen my imagination is so broad but on another level I really think that faith is actually pretty hard and I would suggest that evidence is actually easier like rational black and white stuff that I can get my head around is easier to believe and to base myself on but reducing my life to what I can understand limits its possibility to my capacity and if I think that my capacity is big enough for that, I'm deluded. And like I said a few months ago on my talk on encouragement, it takes enormous courage to have faith in God, to take Him at His word, and to follow Him with our lives. Faith says that it is God who defines my reality rather than my experience defining God. And there was a phrase that we often used after. Lauren passed away, which said, we want our image of God to shape our pain and not our pain to shape our image of God. Again, it's a really cool sounding line, but that has radical, radical permutations in our life. We're inviting God to shape our experiences. Because if by faith I believe what is actually written about God, then I have to understand that my existence is is contextualized by the fact that he made everything and that he has a purpose for everything that he has made. This is big trust we're putting in God here. C.S. Lewis has often been paraphrased from his book, Mere Christianity, saying that if you look at what Jesus said about himself and about the world and about the Father, then he was either a liar, a lunatic, or he was Lord. you know, what the Bible says about God and the world either invites total scorn or total surrender. And that's hard. I'm not trying to make it like a binary choice of like it's either everything or nothing. But there is this sense that if what the Bible says about God, if what Jesus said about himself is true, and I'm putting my faith in that, that has radical, radical implications for my life. I've got a quote from Eugene Peterson, who I just think is a was a wonderful man. Um And this is a quote that I really love from him. It says, we talk of making the Bible relevant to the world as if the world is the fundamental reality and the Bible is something that's going to help it. What we must never be encouraged to do, although all of us are guilty of it over and over, is to force scripture to fit our experience. Our experience is too small. It's like trying to put the ocean into a thimble. What we want is to fit into the world revealed by Scripture to swim in its vast ocean. It takes faith to believe the words of the Bible that say that God preceded the world. That means he came before it, that he will exceed the world, that he is sovereign over it and he permeates it through the story of creation. That is a significant thing to believe. But if we do believe it, then our lives are at the heart of something and someone infinitely bigger than we are. And it means that he defines reality and not us. And faith is is central to who we are. It's also only by faith that we as people can enter into his story that he has written for us. To believe in Jesus and what he's done so that we may be saved from sin and death and brought into eternal life as children of God. And there's this verse uh, in Romans 10, which always reminds me of Rene. I think because you've used it a few times in the talk, Rene, but um, it says this the, word, this, the word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That's quoting Deuteronomy. That is the message confirming faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith, and are saved. Faith is literally the way that we receive Jesus. We need faith. And just another little quote from Peterson that I really liked, just about that reality thing. He said, God is the larger context and plot in which our stories find themselves. Now I have a slide here coming up um, that I probably will just put on Facebook if you want it, um, because I think it's too long to go through now. But it's basically full of verses that show from scripture God's activity before creation, in creation, in creating creation, his involvement in creation by becoming a creature, his sovereignty over creation, and the one who will come again and renew creation. It's literally like God before, after, and everywhere in between. And it's, again, this idea of God framing our reality. I love a table, I'm sorry. And I spend a ridiculous amount of time formatting my slides so I really hope you like them, because Els has really offended me tonight. She said, I didn't think they were that great. <laughs> She's honest, that's fun. <laughs> I hope that you get what I'm trying to say. Um, what's the point of all this? You know, I'm actually at risk, aren't I, of doing what I said I wouldn't do. Of throwing loads of verses at us and going, oh yeah, isn't, isn't the Bible tell us all this wicked stuff, and what are we are going to do with it? And what, what, um, what are we going to do with all this? I guess the thing I wanted to say is that the fact that our reality by faith is rooted in a good living God, it means that we have a hope that's beyond our circumstances. So when I experience something in my life, I refer back to who God is, what He said, what He's doing, and what He's promised to do. I have a reference point that is beyond myself. And I think. I mean, this is maybe a bold claim, but I reckon you could probably summarize what God has said, what he's doing, what he's promised to do in the last two chapters of the Bible. I think if you went to Revelation 21 and 22, you'd have a really good idea of what God's about and what he's up to and why. The point is that there's something that I can refer to that is bigger than my life rather than smaller than my life. And I think the world invites us to look at life through so many different filters or lenses it really offers to define our reality for us. It says that your success as a human looks like this sort of person or this sort of caption or this sort of image. It says that beauty looks like this kind of person or this kind of pose or this kind of thing. It says that accumulation and prosperity is our aim. I really think that the kingdom of God is the filter through which we are invited to view life, and it's really different. I have a little picture of filters just because I, I think they're quite beautiful, aren't they? But Jesus said in Luke 17 that the kingdom of God is not something that we will see or observe, rather it's in our midst. It's amongst us and it is the filter through which we're invited to see everything that happens in our, in our life. My favorite one is Lomo Phi out there, the third one in from the top, just for the reference. What are the filters in which we are, through which we are viewing our lives? When you look at your experiences today in, in, in your life, what filter are you looking at them through? Um, this reference point, this filter, offers us a different perspective. The kingdom offers us a different perspective by faith. And I've got a slide which I think I will go through because this is one that I really wanted to... It's a table. <laughs> uh, um... This is what the scriptures say about about our perspective. We are in the world, but not of the world. We are citizens of heaven. The spirit of God lives in us and we're seated with Christ, with the mind of Christ, becoming more like Christ until we have our resurrection bodies finally making us like him and we will see him fully. And we, and therefore our lives, cannot be separated from God. That's the big one at the top. This is like... This is key stuff for our faith. This is what we are invited by faith to believe and to see our lives through, to understand our existence and our experiences through these lenses. Now, you may notice that none of these filters, none of these verses relate to things that we can see. This is faith. And my most used verse, I think, in the last few years is from 2 Corinthians 4. I just wrote it down. I didn't even write it out, so I really hope I can remember it. But Paul writes, We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. We're invited by faith to fix our eyes on something and someone and a reality that we cannot see, which is really hard, but to trust that what we cannot see is actually greater than what we can. It takes faith to even believe that. So what filter are you looking at your life through right now and how can you ask God to change that or renew it? The whole of the New Testament explains that faith in Jesus is the only way we can know God and live with him. Hebrews 11 verse six says, without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And it says later on in uh, Hebrews 12, Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I think I've got that verse on a slide, actually. Can Can we get that one up, Toby? Thanks, mate. Next one. There it is. And the word there for author or pioneer in the Greek can be translated as prince or captain or pioneer. Jesus is the first cause of our faith. He blazed the trail of faith. He showed us what it is to trust our heavenly father with our whole lives, to live in reality with heavenly perspective. And that word perfecter in Greek can be translated as finisher or completer. And Jesus' sacrificial death on a cross and his resurrection three days later completed the mission of God. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. In other words, as Jesus said about himself in John 14, he is the way, the truth, and the life. You know, I want to say today that faith is not a shouty, triumphalist denial of what's going on in front of us. Sometimes I think those who minimize hardship most vocally are actually fearful of reality and disguise denial as faith. Faith doesn't pretend everything is fine when it isn't. Faith doesn't have all the answers, but it trusts through the questioning. Faith fluctuates and changes. We see that in Thomas. Faith isn't always solid. Sometimes Jesus speaks about some people's lack of faith in the Gospels, and sometimes he praises their amazing faith. Sometimes faith is clinging on, or a dogged determination not to give in. All of us, by being here tonight, have exercised a level of faith, and I just wanted to say well done, well done for that, well done for just exercising your faith, however small it feels today. However victorious you feel, however hard life feels right now, that you've exercised faith to be here. Um, This is a bit random to put in my talk, but I've got three songs that I just thought I'd like share with you. I'm not going to play them, but just I've got a little slide of three tracks that you could listen to, which for me have been really inspirational in terms of like understanding faith, hope and reality. Um, So one of them is called Looking for a Saviour by United Pursuit featuring Will Reagan. Another one, which is probably my favorite, is called Closer by John Mark McMillan. That's definitely my favorite. I recommend everyone listens to that tonight. And then the final one is Abba, Father by Jonathan David Hesler. And if you go on YouTube, there's like a version from like when he was younger, sung in some random warehouse, uh, Spine Tingling. I massively prefer it to like the polished album version. Um, But just really powerful songs that talk about reality and faith and God meeting us in that. So, faith is really, really key, <laughs> and faith holds tensions and mysteries without having to explain or understand them. And I've got a little quote for you from Bill Johnson, who I don't quote very often these days, but this was a quote that I really, was really struck me many years ago, and I've, I've, kept, I've come back to it. He says, the request for answers sometimes looks like rejection of mystery, As a result, mystery is often treated as something intolerable instead of a real treasure. Living with mystery is the privilege of our walk with Christ. Its importance cannot be overrated. If I understand all that is going on in my Christian life, I have an inferior Christian life. The walk of faith is to live according to the revelation we have received in the midst of the mysteries we can't explain. That is why Christianity is called the faith. Faith is in mystery. And I think believing in God through mystery is really, really well summarized by a story in Mark's gospel about um, a father whose son is possessed by an impure spirit. And it's in Mark chapter 9. And I'm just going to skip to the the interesting part. I'm going to skip to the part where it makes my point. But it says, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, his dad says. It is often throwing him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus responds, if you can. It's like the sass from JC is unreal. Like the father's like, if you can do anything, please help us. And Jesus is like, if. And then he says, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the father says, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. That's like the best sentence. Like, I don't even want to make a big statement. That's just a really good sentence. That he simultaneously is like, I do believe, but I need you to help me overcome my unbelief because I also don't believe. Like, that's faith, right? Every one of us in this room tonight could say that and it would be true and it would be powerful. It would be really significant. I've really felt like that a lot, like, recently. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. It's a really good blending of humility, honesty, and courage. I think that's what faith walked out looks like. Humility, honesty, and courage. And this is where I want to land really now, is that hope expects great things of God because of who he is. It's not about what we've done or what we can do or what we can't do. It's not about what we're able to do. It's about what God has done, who he is, and what he's able to do. Faith is confidence in what we hope for. And however you feel about life now or the year ahead, I wanted to invite you by faith to expect in confidence great things from God for your life, for us as a community, for our town, to expect in confidence the good things from God. And I've got a response like lined up, which again is a table ironically on a slide um, just hide it away for a second, Toby, just so I can give it a bit of a preamble, in case it looks a bit overwhelming and intense. But I really wanted this to be practical today. I really wanted us to kind of come away from our time together, understanding that I can expect great things from God this year. I can expect great things of God today. Like there are there are things that God has done and God has promised. There are things that the that Scripture says about my security in him, which means that whatever happens in this year ahead, I can have great hope in him doing great things. And I've got this table and basically there's two columns. And the left column is headed because, and it's gonna have basically scripture in it. So because the Bible says this, and then the right one says, I know this. So there's a series of sentences. And I'll give you an example before it comes up. Um, in fact, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna read them and, I, and then I'll put the slide up in a minute. And the idea really is, and this is something that I've done before in, um, in like prayer ministry, I've had it in Christian counselling before, where I'm inviting the truth of Scripture to shape my response. And I'm going to su- submit my, I guess, my hope or my expectation or my concerns or my worries to what the Bible says rather than how I feel. This is like, if you've ever done Freedom in Christ, this stuff's quite classic, which is of course. So the first one would say, um, Because God works all things for the good of those who love him, Brackets, Romans eight twenty-eight. I know that nothing of my life will be wasted or too bad for him to use for my benefit. Amen. You do not mind an Amen. I'm I'm charismatic. Okay. Here's another one. Because he who began a good work in me will carry on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, Philippians one six, I know that God is committed to who I am and who I am becoming. He knows my potential, with his help I can fulfil it. Like this is this is big stuff. Like because I know that God is love, 1 John 3:16, 4:7 onwards, and He never changes, Hebrews 13. I know that God loves me as I am right now, and that nothing I can do will make Him love me more or less. This is, I'm going to say after everyone. This is big stuff, guys, because it really it feels big to me. And because I know that nothing is impossible for God, Luke 1:37, Mark 9:23, I therefore know that no circumstance will overcome me. And nothing will ever be too big for him to save, heal, rescue, or redeem me from. I want to keep reading them. Because I know that I'm adopted into God's family, Romans 8, and I know him as father, Matthew 6, 9, I therefore know that I am securely loved and I don't need to earn value or prove my worth. Now this is going to change my behavior if I believe this stuff. Because I know that he promised never to leave me or forsake me, Deuteronomy 31, 6, I know he will never abandon me or leave me to myself. Because I know that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, Psalm 24 verse 1, I know that he will always provide for me and there is always enough for me. Like maybe you're feeling anxious this year about provision, about money, about jobs. Because I know that the church is the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12, 27, I know I am a part of a spiritual community and I don't have to be lonely. Because I know that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, John 14, 6, who came to give us life to the full, John 10, 10. I know that the most fulfilling life I can live is one where Jesus is at the heart of it. Again, loads of you guys this year are going to be invited to live a life that Jesus is not at the heart of it. But if what he said is true then it changes my experience and my expectation. And then the last one I had, which I think is just like a really good catch-all. Because I know the end of the story, Revelation 21 and 22, I know, ultimately, things work out for us. Like, if in doubt, if everything else is just not great, I do know the end of the story. And spoiler alert, Jesus wins. And he renews everything and heaven comes to earth, and it's pretty sick. So, basically, what I thought we'd do is have the slide up now. Sorry for leaving you waiting. Just take some time to reflect. I don't know, can you read this? Yeah, it's quite big, isn't it? To just, like, take a moment, and there'll be ones that aren't on there. This is not an exhaustive list. To invite by faith, your understanding of what God has said to shape your hope for the year ahead. Faith and hope. Because if I believe the left column in faith, then my right column, hope, for what ahead, what is ahead is solid. And it's not rooted in just wishful thinking, fingers crossed, touch wood, superstition. Do you see what I mean?